Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Oh, yeah. Kyle Brandt's Basement on a Thursday. Last show of the week. Best show of the week. Better believe it. Have a game tonight uh, in the National Football League, and typically if it's a Thursday and I'm saying the Titans, you're like, oh, God, no. Not another Thursday night football game with the Titans. For years, the Titans would compete on Thursday nights with the Jacksonville Jaguars as to who could be the Thursday night football house band who just hangs there and sets up shop, and sometimes they would play each other. But no, tonight's good because the Titans are good and they have a good record. And they're going against the Packers, who don't have a good record, but are incredibly intrigued. And we're going to talk about that game. We're talking about the games that I'm mad at this weekend. There's some games that we believed in. What was that Tyra Banks moment on her show? We believed for you. We were all rooting for you. These are the games I was rooting for this weekend. And then they're, they're happening, and they suck. But they were supposed to be good back in August. Pissed off at those games. Have you seen this trailer for this AD for Brady you're like, oh, God, what is this, another documentary about Brady and all his greatness? Kind of, but it's a fictional movie with elderly actresses. The trailer's really strange. We have to talk about that. We're going to do Bite Fight. That's where we take two sound bites from two coaches, players, anybody, and we just pit them against each other. And whoever has the most entertaining or most electric sound bite wins the Bite Fight. That's what we do here. Electricity, sound bites. That's the ultimate warrior. Many, 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 many of you said, I want that. We're giving away 20 of them. We're giving away 20 of that mosaic that I had commissioned by the great artist, Painton Manning. And uh, just go to social media, 8KB Basement, Twitter, Instagram, everything, if you want to get one for the holidays. But in the meantime, let's start the show. Let's go to the Skycam. I got Ben Wallace there rooting me on with his, what is he, 47% career free throw shooter. And I'm just going to sit up here and I'm just going to go, yes, sir! Oh, that's the wrong sound. No, my sounds are all messed up. It's supposed to go bang, because I've made two in a row. Let's start the show with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. I love, this is easy. I love that we get to watch Aaron Rodgers tonight. I'm way into it. I don't know where you're at with Rodgers right now, you the viewer. Still respect him, still like him, over him. He lost you, maybe got you back. Let's set the stage. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are four and six. They're coming off a win over the Dallas Cowboys, a comfort behind win, very dramatic overtime. Four and six. You can't help but look back. I don't care if it's corny or cheesy. I can't help but look back to 2016 when the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers were four and six. Four and six. Coming off two straight losses, not a win. Coming off two straight losses. And Aaron Rodgers said, yeah, I, I think we can run the table. I think we can run the table. And they ran the table, and they won out. And they went all the way to the NFC title game. They got destroyed by the Falcons, but that's okay. They were 4-6, and six and they went to the title game. Different team, different year, different era, different world. I don't care. Watch what happens in the NFL world if the Packers win this game tonight. It already kind of started getting cooking last week with the defeat of the Cowboys. If they win tonight against a good Titans team, then they're 5-6. and six. And I think, in my estimation, I think they have to go four and two to make the playoffs if they win tonight. That would end them up at nine and eight. And I think in this year's NFC, I think the Green Bay Packers are in the playoffs. So there are some real stakes, and it's going to come alive. And tomorrow it is going to be wall to wall Packers if they win this game. If they lose, it might be the funeral, the real Aaron Rodgers funeral, the last one ever. 
I have a sneaking suspicion. It's actually not a sneaking suspicion. It's my own intuition from watching him and just knowing him a tiny bit that I think this is his last year. I do. But what I'm most looking forward to tonight is just the theater of watching his face. There's something about it that is so entertaining to me because it is a constant exercise in restraint. And sometimes he loses that exercise. Um, he has so many things going on in terms of trying to get this offense going and having all these inexperienced players and having this coach he's not really getting along that well with and having the offensive line reshuffled. So much difficult, so many difficult things football-wise, just athletically. And then on top of that, as if the job isn't hard enough, he also needs to maintain this composure because the, the whole broadcast is going to be on his face the entire night. I don't When the Titans have the ball, they'll keep it on Aaron Rodgers' face. They just want to see him grimace, frown, let alone scream F-bomb on all that stuff. That is what you're tuning in for tonight, the human theater of watching Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's kind of relatable because I don't know about you, if you're parents, if you're a dad, if you're a mom, you know, I, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, and I, I'm trying really hard right now in this era of their lives to not yell at them as, as little as I can. My wife and I, we both raise our voice at the kids all the time. Stop doing that. Stop hitting her. Leave her alone. Clean that up. Get away. You just do that all the time. Get up to your room. Constantly doing it. But I'm trying not to because I'm realizing that you start to do it too much and it just loses its effect. They just don't care. They tune it out. There's no shock factor. Like my daddy is yelling at me or he's telling me to stop doing that. They just kind of ignore it. So you try to stop doing it and it really tests your patience because when you told them four times to stop kicking the back of your seat and the fifth time is when you're supposed to really bring out the big gun. You're supposed to yell at them. But it's, it's now I'm at the stage where I go, I told you to stop kicking my seat. Then they, not only do they not listen, they laugh. They, that's the kind of hell that I'm in. So I'm really trying as, as a leader, as a quarterback, if you will, of our family sometimes to not yell. And I'm trying to reason and trying to motivate and incentivize and all this crap that I'm reading about in books. And I feel like that's Rogers. I feel like he spends three hours in every game trying not to yell at people. <laughs> teammates coaches officials opponents fans sometimes and it's really hard it comes out we saw it last week last week was the most severe example of him yelling at someone on the Packers staff because he hit Lafleur hard and it was you saw it on the sideline last week after that really bad series they had at the end of the game and he comes off the field and he's like, bah, 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 bah. and I'm not even going to say it because it's all vulgar and there was F-bomb this and F-bomb this. He was about as close as I am to you, the camera, right now. And you got the perfect shot of him in slow-mo. And Lafleur, as is Lafleur's way, apparently, does not respond, does not reply, just kind of goes with it. And I don't know if Lafleur goes home at night and hits the heavy bag or screams into a pillow or drinks or does anything. But he's now on a few years of this, of Rogers just lighting him up, both directly on the sideline sometimes. Passive aggressively in the media, passive aggressively in the in the post press post game press conferences, is Lafleur ever ever going to be like, you know what, Aaron, shut your mouth, sit down. I'm the head coach, you're the quarterback. In fact, I'm going to bench you. Anything, or even if he just said, shut up, man. Anything at all, I would love that from Lafleur. I don't think that's how he's wired. But look, tonight, if this game gets out of control tonight in the bad way for the Packers, and it could, the Titans are a good team. The Packers are not a good team. And we're all hyping up, myself included, the Packers, because we're so enchanted by what the story would be if Rodgers just made magic again and came back and went on this crazy run. The Titans could win the game by 20 tonight. They're good. 
they have they have good offense, a good defense, you know, a good record, Rabel, all that stuff. If that starts to happen and we get into the middle of the fourth quarter and it's 28 to 13 and the Titans are just driving and just spinning the clock with Henry and the Packers come out and go three and out and it's bad play. Is, is this going to be the moment when Rodgers just loses it completely? I, <laughs> I'm so interested in doing it because this would be the equivalent back to the same comparison of parenting of like just lighting up the kid at the parking lot of the baseball game or the t-ball game or in the mall if you're still going there we've all had moments where you just go absolutely nuclear and the kid just pushes you too far and it's a little bit of an arm grab to drag out to the car or it's getting down to their level and the point the finger there i wonder if that's going to be it when rogers who's basically out there with children in so many senses i wonder if this is the night that he finally loses it and has the public incident and where the other parents are saying, oh, no, look, let's just get out of here. Let's pretend we don't hear it. Let's go out to our post-game, post-T-ball game pizza and just get away from the Brants or the Rogers or whoever it is. We've all been there. I wonder if that's the night tonight. I can't wait to watch it. I, re- I really can't. All Amazon is going to do the whole game is show Rogers' face, and that's all they should do. With due respect to uh, Ryan Tannehill, due respect to the Titans, who, as we always talk about on the show, no one's interested in talking about the Titans. They have a boring brand. Some very exciting players, but they just – they just don't have that sizzle. Packers have a lot of sizzle. They really do. And if you look at the next few weeks, the last thing I'll say, I like the stakes here too. So Packers' schedule breaks out like this. They're four and six. They got to go five and two to finish that, I think, to make the playoffs. Say they win tonight. It's a Thursday night game. So they get the mini bye, okay? Mini bye afterwards. Then they play at the Eagles, obviously a really big game. Then they got at the Bears, which is another bye for Aaron Rodgers. At the Bears is always a bye. And then they have a real bye. So tons of time off. So you think Rodgers would be excited for that. Maybe his mood will be really good tonight. Starts doing that thing where he does those warm-up throws, where he kind of throws it sidearm like he's doing a yo-yo and right at the camera. And is he happy? Is he busting chops? Is he smiling? Because I also happen to believe, and I don't know this, but I have my intuition about Rodgers, and I've paid attention to his quotes over the years. I think he hates Thursday Night Football. Hates it. He's played well in Thursday Night Football. I remember last year he beat the Cardinals in this crazy game without Devontae Adams in Arizona. But I think he hates it. I think he hates the short week. He's a big player safety guy, body maintenance guy. And Thursday Night Football is just a nightmare for all of those things. And it's done just to put another primetime game and make some money from the league who employs me. So yay, yay. But I think Rodgers hates it. So I think he's already pretty cantankerous about the Thursday night thing. How's he coming out tonight? If you're watching the game and you see the first Rodgers face shot reaction – He's almost doing it like Jim Halpert at this point. If there's going to come a time where the sky cam will come down or it'll be one of the on-field cameras and some guy's going to drop some pass and Rogers is going to look at the camera and just go like that. First time we see the Rogers Jim Halpert face or the Rogers disgust face and you're watching it, will you tweet me, tweet at KB Basin and be like, here it is. I just want a collection, a mosaic of Aaron Rodgers' faces tonight on Thursday Night Football at Lambeau against the Titans. That's what I'm here for. The game, I actually think the Packers are going to win. Titans are down a few starters, a few important ones. Their center, their kicker, who might end up being important. I think the Packers are going to win, but I think we're all going to win when we see Aaron Rodgers' face. It's all I'm going to be looking at, and that's what I love. But some teams out there have disappointed me. Let's get to them, and that's something we call what I hate. Schedule drops in the offseason, you scan it, you circle things, you put your finger down, you, you tweet, you talk. It's really exciting when the schedule comes out. But more exciting is in August when you start to really say these games are coming now. 
Let's look down the road to some teams we're excited about, maybe some matchups we're excited about, and you look all the way to that week before Thanksgiving, it looks like it's got some real gems, some real plums in those matchups. And those matchups are now here this weekend, and they suck. I hate these matchups because it's not just that the games aren't good. It's that the teams are disappointing. A lot of bad teams. Fine. There's bad teams every year. I, you can't even fault them for being bad teams. I fault them for being disappointing teams. Your dad says that to you. I'm very disappointed in you. Underachieving teams. What's that line from a Bronx tale? There's nothing worse in life than wasted talent. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Rams-Saints was supposed to be a game. Rams-Saints this weekend. Could you possibly care less about Rams Saints? Really? And it, it, look, it's, I, I, even if you have fantasy players, who are you interested in in Rams Saints? Cooper Cup is out. Most of the Rams, who cares? The Saints, Camara, not really a thing. Michael Thomas just basically decided to retire. He's not out there. And also, like, is the strangest thing going right now in the entire NFL that no one talks about because the Saints aren't relevant? Why the Saints continue to start Andy Dalton? Why would you do that? <laughs> they come out and announce this week their season's falling apart. We will start Andy Dalton, the quarterback. You have Jameis, and Jameis is heavily flawed. Don't get me wrong. What, what am I missing there? They just love, Dennis Allen loves Andy Dalton. He's the one who loves him. It's Marv Lewis, and it's, it's Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints. It's just a bizarre thing. Like, I get that Jameis – we'll get to Jameis in a second. But Andy Dalton is just this, like, turkey sandwich. It's, it is a room-temperature, slightly chilled turkey sandwich that you get at the airport, and it's, like, wrapped in plastic, and you just need something to get in your stomach before the flight. You're like, I get you. Yeah, this will work. And you eat it, and – Someone says, how was it? And you say, I, I, I'm not hungry anymore. Yeah, but how was it? It's in my stomach. Did it taste good? I'm not hungry anymore. That's Andy Dalton with the Saints. Now, Jameis is this like pot of five-alarm chili. <laughs> it's firehouse chili, a big old steaming cauldron of chili. And it's got a lot of flavor. And it's a lot of layers in it. It's very complicated, but it's hot and it's spicy. And it's probably going to just make, make you crap your guts out later. It's going to lead to all sorts of gastrointestinal stuff, stomach stuff, heartburn, reflux. All tastes great. Great experience. Spices and flavors and meat and sauce and all that. But wouldn't you rather just take a shot with the pot of chili and say, maybe this is the time in my colon actually wins out over the chili, or maybe they took a little spice off it. Chili's been on the back burner for a little while. Maybe the spice factor is down. Or do you just reach again for that like prison issue turkey sandwich on the crappy Wonder Bread, and the turkey's a little bit old, and there's like some effortless, heartless Miracle Whip spread it on it, and like some limp lettuce, and like the heel end of a tomato. That's the sandwich that the Saints keep eating. Go with the chili. I'm so disappointed in that game. And the Rams, I saw something that they are right now tied for the worst record through this point for a defending Super Bowl champion ever. And if there's a bigger mystery than why the Saints keep starting Andy Dalton, it's why do the Rams suck? What? I don't get it. Now, Cooper Cup's hurt, fine, but last week, you tune in, you see, all right, Stafford's there, Aaron Donald's there, Jalen Ramsey's there, Cooper Cup is there, Sean McVay is there, Van Jefferson is there, Bobby Wagner's the middle linebacker. What, what the hell's going on? Why is this team so bad? It just fell apart really fast. That game's disappointing as hell. I'm mad at that game. You want another one that just sucks? 
Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers. The AFC West is going to change the sport. It's going to change our lives. It's going to change the planet. I make my living from the NFL. I spent five months of hard labor talking about the AFC West. Can we fit all four teams in? Technically, there is a way. Because you can't possibly look at these four AFC West teams and tell me that one of them is not going to make the playoffs. I think we had people saying that all four AFC West teams were somehow going to win the Super Bowl in unison, holding hands. That's how it was going to go this year. They, all three of them, well, let's see. The Broncos are a disaster. The Raiders are a disaster. The Chargers are charging. They're kind of there. And the Chiefs are incredible. So not a ton has changed at all from the last several years of the AFC West. They're one of the most, that division, and we just saw Russ go there, and we got Herbert's going to be amazing, and Carr, and they signed Devontae, is one of the most overhyped things, not of the NFL season, my friends, not in NFL history, just in world history. I'm so mad at the AFC West, because I look stupid for saying all the things about it, and you look stupid for saying all the things. You look stupid for listening. And they're just going to join this club of the most overrated things I could think of. Um, let's see. Most overrated, overhyped. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Times Square in New York City. Oh, I've done it. Can you, can you imagine the hellhole that that is? I can't. I, I don't have to imagine. I've done it. 20,000, 200,000. I don't know how many people. It felt like 200 million. And with like zero bathrooms, constant booze. Uh, people bumping you, crime, just people urinating on the street next to you to stand there in the freezing cold and watch the ball drop. It's just awful. Don't ever do that. There's a wonderful number of experiences in New York for the tourists or for life memories. Don't ever do that. Don't do Times Square, New York City. You're better than that. And you're going to thank me. That is like the AFC West. Other things. Black Friday got funny several years ago and we said, hey, let's go get the experience. We just had this 20,000 calorie day on Thursday, our, our whole body is just devastated physically. Let's get up the next morning and see if we can't save $60 on a microwave. Let's do it. Let's line up outside. It'll be funny. It'll be kind of ironic. It sucked. It was also freezing. It was dark. The people are as pissed off as they look in the viral videos. No, I, I didn't have anybody bash a flat screen TV over my head, but it was just no fun, and there's no payoff. The sales weren't even that good. Black Friday, look, if you got to do it to make your Christmas list, I get it, but only if you really have to. Um, that's the AFC West in terms of how overhyped it is. Waterworld. I'll go way back to the 90s, my friends. Kevin Costner couldn't miss. Dances with Wolves. He's the man. All that. Write your ticket. I remember seeing him on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and it was the week that Waterworld came out. And all you had heard, it was the most expensive movie ever made. And oh my gosh, all the stakes and all this hype. Costner was so obviously nervous. He was tense. I see him talking to Jay Leno. Jay's doing his thing. He's trying to crack him up and all that. And I remember my mom came and we watched it. And I was, I was in high school at the time. And, she, and she, she watched it for like a minute. And she had a crush on Costner. Still does. Who doesn't? And she says, oh man, does he look tight. And she meant that in the sense that he was nervous. And he was. Movie. It was fine. It just wasn't like they were supposed to understand Waterworld when it came out in the 90s was supposed to be um, like the invention of the wheel. It was going to change everything. It was sort of a little bit like what Avatar tried to do, but just different deal. That's the AFC West. Uh, the Nintendo Power Glove. You people my age will remember that. That was going to change video games. Big old scene in The Wizard with Fred Savage. They stop at a cafe and the jerk guy puts it on and starts playing Rad Racer. You thought we would never touch a controller again. 
The power glove. I'm going to play Castlevania in my power glove. Disaster. You knew one kid on your block or in your class when you were in third grade who had the power glove whose parents bought it for him. You put that thing on, you're like, oh, I feel amazing. I feel like RoboCop. You can't do anything. You can't do any. It was terrible. That's the AFC West, the power glove of divisions. Um, the curved TV. Remember that was a few years ago. I got good friends of mine. They live right over there, like a few houses there. They're the dummies. I love you guys who bought the curved TV. <laughs> Remember, and this was seven years ago. And there was a commercial where instead of being flat, this thing would come out with wings. And it was like, this will immerse you in the experience of watching television. So expensive, so stupid, they were gone in a second. That's the AFC West of televisions. Quibi, that's the AFC West of apps. It's all going to be short form. It's great. Quibi, it stands for quick bite. And if you want to see Justin Timberlake or Kevin Hart give you a seven-minute adventure on your commute, it sounds great. Sounds like a great idea. Then the pandemic hit. Nobody left the house. We want, we don't want quick bite. We want long bite. We want lobby. They should have done that. Lobby, lobby. That would have been the name. That's the AFC West of apps. That's pretty much what I got. That's where I met with the AFC West, and I blame them. And that is the week. This game's this weekend. There, the AFC West invitation. All playing each other. No one gives a crap unless it's the Chiefs in the playoffs. Probably the AFC title game that they host every single year. So that's what I hate. Oh man. Let's get to something good. Let's get to guys. Come on, come with me. Come with me. Let's get to what's hilarious. Let's go. Hashtag don't look now, but the Lions, the actual Detroit Lions have won a couple of games. It's all right. They're an NFC team. They have three wins. I think they have three wins, right? And they won a road game, which they just don't do. And that just gives us that tiny little bit of license that we need to talk about who? Dan Campbell. Uh, yesterday, Brian Dable, who's won more than three games, head coach of the New York Giants, was asked if he knew Dan Campbell. He was asked, okay, because they're playing this weekend. It's uh, the Lions are coming to town, and they're playing about 35 minutes from where I'm standing right now at MetLife Stadium. They're playing the Giants. And so Dable's like, you um, – you know Dan Campbell, and uh, here's what the Giants head coach had to say. Matter of fact, when I was a coordinator um, for Tony Sperano, uh, Tony said, "Hey, I got this guy um, that I think would be good. I just, you know, why don't we interview him? You don't, you know, you, you take care of the interview." So I interviewed Dan. Um, it was a great interview. I mean, he's slamming chairs on the ground and hitting walls and going through all these drills. And, and you guys know him. He's a fantastic person, great family. And uh, it was an entertaining uh, interview. Uh, knew a lot, obviously very passionate, uh, tough as nails, you could tell. But um, heck, he was he was out of breath in half that interview, stuff he was doing. <laughs> I, I, I had not seen that clip before, though I heard that story before. I remember when when Dan Campbell was in, with Miami and he was looked at as like the Metallica coach. I'm like, so you got my attention. And then, of course, watching him on Hard Knocks this year and with the Lions, I've just been so riveted by him and I want him for success and I want to have success for him. But he just I mean, it's been so hard, but. I just, look, I don't ask for much. I, I wish I could have known Dan Campbell when he was, you know, in his 20s or even know him now. I just feel like, did you play high school sports? I'm asking you. Did you play high school football? I bet you knew a Dan Campbell. 
Like he's got that whole Latimer vibe and like, I know what his, his dorm room was like or his apartment even in his 20s. And it's a black leather couch. There's dumbbells just sitting there on the carpet, like three sets of them. I'm going to say probably like 30s, 40s, and 50s on the crappy coffee table. Um, there's Here's what's on Dan Campbell's place. Uh, he's got PlayStation 2 controllers back in the day. He has a couple old Gatorade bottles that are now filled with dip spit. He has a Maxim magazine and a Stuff magazine and an FHM magazine. <laughs> the PS2 game is probably like Grand Theft Auto Vice City. He's got some takeout containers. And then over on like his little like crappy kitchen, wherever he lived when he was in his 20s, I just picture like jugs of creatine, protein powder, pre-workout, a uh, lot of Red Bulls. He also has some of those push-up things, like those um, push-up platforms, like those handles that you do those. I think on the doorway that goes from his living room to his like little bedroom, I think there's a chinar. I also think there's a curtain that's on a rod that you just pull it closed because there's no... I just know that guy. I love that guy. I'm not poking fun of him. Like I had pretty much the same setup. And um, the fact that he would go and interview for a coaching position, <laughs> we look at it through the lens of today's coaches where, well, they have this exotic understanding of the modern offense or they have a pressure-based defense that really depends on the safeties being able to play both the deep pass and come up to support the run, blah, 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 football talk. You would think he would go into that. But I like that Dable's memory of him is, is that I, he got up and started shaking chairs and punching walls. Like, in what part of an interview, <laughs> what, even for a football position, wouldn't you want to like, call security if someone did that? But no, they did it, and they liked it. And it reminds me of his first opening press conference as the Detroit Lions head coach, which, of course, is remembered as the biting kneecaps press conference. I mean, some people are like, who is this idiot? And I was like, how do I play for this guy? I wish I could still play and then it's just so predictable. He gets up and he gives his first big speech to the team, the 2022 Lions. And, you know, let's kick things off. And how are we going to start the season? And what are you going to have for us, coach? What are you going to say? You're also on HBO. He just gets up there with a Metallica lyric. It's just perfect, perfect. It's not only a Metallica lyric. He quoted the song No Leaf Clover, which is one of the songs that they played with the orchestra on that album. So it was, a, it was a next level lyric. It wasn't like he got up and started talking about nothing else matters or enter Sandman. He was just so into it. If you see a change in my demeanor from last segment when I was just bashing the AFC West to now where I'm just kind of hard eyes and happy, it's just I just love Dan Campbell. I've never met him in person. I've interviewed him remotely on Good Morning Football, and he's just awesome. But uh, when I'm watching Red Zone on Sunday, you know, they, they show the Lions a lot this year because their offense has been so good. It's just their defense is so bad. So they're on Red Zone constantly because they're either scoring or giving up scores. I always find myself pulling for Detroit. And last week was crazy, 31-30 over the Bears. So here's the thing that's interesting about Detroit. If they somehow manage to beat the Giants, which is going to be an upset, well, then it's like, oh, my God, the Detroit Lions are on a win streak. Now, now they're – I think that gets them to four wins. Tell me if I'm wrong, guys. I think that gets them to four wins. But then we actually could take in the Lions make a run to the playoffs. I don't know. I just – more than anything, I want to see Dan Campbell on them in the headlines, and I love hearing stories about him. I think every coach – Every single week who plays the Lions should be forced to tell a Dan Campbell story. And if you don't have one, just make it up. We'll believe you. I'll always find it hilarious. Uh, let's move on. Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. 
Between all the bumpy twists and turns comes the actual business side of your business, which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can manage your business with confidence from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business? No problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com basement. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com basement. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is fun segment. This is Bite Fight, okay? It's what we do here. We have two sound bites, and they're going to fight. And hold on. I, I have a – watch the production level that we have here. I have a bell if I can find it. Hold on. Stick with me, everybody. Here we go. Bite Fight time. Let's go. Uh, we're going to play three sound bites, not two, three. So this is like three men in the ring, and you don't know who has uh, allegiances to the other, who knows who's going to engage each other. Maybe the old tag team will team up. Three sound bites uh, from around the league, and I'm going to decide which is the bite to rule them all. Three bites enter, one bite wins. How do you win? Just if I like you. Dan Campbell bite from Brian Dable could have been in there. We got more, though. Up first, Baker Mayfield. I haven't talked about Baker in a good month. He's starting for the Panthers. He started for the Panthers this weekend. P.J. Walker sidelined. They will visit the Ravens and fellow Heisman winner Lamar Jackson. Same draft class. As you remember, Baker was the number one overall pick. Lamar came way at the end of the first round, so they're playing each other. And our first entry into the ring, Baker Mayfield had this to say when he was asked if he's he surprised with how well Lamar has been playing. Not surprised at all what he's been able to do. Uh, he's capable of a lot of things. I mean, that guy's a freak of nature. Um, yeah, his, his mom used to work him out. She used uh, she told me stories to for me to get my ass down to Florida and go work out with him, and I politely declined after you know a few beverages at the Heisman ceremony. Um, but no, she's intimidating. There's a reason why he's so tough, uh, and uh, they're just fun to be around. All right, lots to like there. First of all, Baker has what appears to be some sort of cut on the bridge of his nose, which I'm probably going to guess is from his series of helmetless headbutts to his teammate that he was going through last week. If you saw that video, he was just doing the crazy thing and headbutting teammates with no helmet on. And then basically he just told a story that I was hammered with Lamar Jackson's mom at the Heisman ceremony. She said, why don't you get your ass down to Florida and work out with us? And he said, no, that's good. See, Baker cleaned that up a little bit. If you were to take the ingredients of Baker drunk, Lamar's mom, who is kind of a, you know, a looming figure in his life. Cause if you know Lamar, everything's a little bit different. There's no, agent he did not run a 40 before the, the draft famously and his mom runs a lot of his stuff and she's basically talking crap to baker so at the heisman ceremony which by the way you know they're both their kids want it and why don't you come down to florida and work out and he kind of smiles when he says it i need a transcript from that conversation was lamar even part of it or was baker like in the corner talking to lamar's mom at the bar and is lamar like baker what are you talking to my mom about talking about going down to florida work out it sounds like hell i'm not going to do it I don't know, Baker, maybe you should have. Um, that's bite number one. That's pretty good. I like that. There was a visual component. 
There was uh, all sorts of superstar talk. I, I want to be at the bar at the Heisman ceremony. I want to be, is everybody there? I want to drink with, uh, with Ty Detmer. I, I want to drink with, with a Denny Werfel. I don't know if either of those guys do drink. I'm trying to think of a Heisman winner who I definitely know drinks. Charles Woodson, I know for, he's no for a fact drinks because he has wine and he has whiskey. So I want to drink with Charles Woodson with an Ascot tie. I want to be at the Heisman bar. Is that too much to ask? Next up, though. Okay, here we go. Next up. Lamar, this is perfect. I'm seeing this unfold as you guys do. Lamar, in response to Baker, our second fighter. Let's hear it. Why is he still intimidated by your mom? By my mom? He said intimidated by my mom? He, he basically said, they was asked about his 2018 draft, and he yeah. said, your mom tried to get him to train <laughs> yes. down. Yes. And he, because he knows how well she also helped with your training. Yeah. And he said he was very intimidated by that. He, he didn't know that? He said he declined. In, no, but yeah, yeah. I don't know nothing about that. I never heard that one. It sounded like it was at the Heisman ceremony. Yeah. yeah. I don't recall. <laughs> I don't recall. That's what you said. Yeah. So, um, Wait, are you going to say something you, to him well, about it when you see it? Yeah, I'm clueless. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Lamar's mother, Felicia, that's Lamar's mother's name, looms largely in this. And I would love to tell you that our third soundbite is coming from Felicia herself, who I really think needs to weigh in on this, but it's not. Uh, but that was basically like, say, what, what, what? Big assistant about my mom? What? She's intimidated by my mom? I mean, everyone's automatically a little bit triggered when you hear someone's talking about your mom. Um, but no, it's not like that. That's mostly, that, that bite was mostly just the audience or the, uh, the, the media members laughing about it and like hoping for a huge reaction. He kind of just diffused it. I need to know more about the Heisman bar, Lamar. Never mind Felicia, never mind anybody. I want to be at the Heisman bar. I want to be at the owner, the annual owners meeting that happens in like uh, Arizona or Florida. And there's a cocktail hour where like 30 plus some odd owners get together billionaires and just drink and talk about ruling the world. I want to be at that and the Heisman bar. Don't you want to drink with uh, Gino Toretta? Didn't he win the Heisman? Um, Steve Spurrier did. All right. So that's Lamar. Lamar didn't have much to say. So you got Baker and Lamar going back and forth. And then you need a third man in. Who's that third man in? Who could possibly do it? Well, probably a guy pulling up in a, a PT Cruiser in some cheap sunglasses with croquis on the back. Kirk Cousins, my guy. Love Kirk Cousins. Pound for pound, I think my favorite player in the NFL because he's just real, authentic. Doesn't try to be cool, doesn't care. Kirk Cousins with a story about living in Minnesota and his neighbor. Take it away, KC. My neighbor actually does shovel my walk, right. so I was—I uh, have a, one of the best neighbors in the world in, on our street, and he has a little Polaris and a, and a plow, and he's usually up there helping me, and then I was getting body work in my house on Monday night, and I look over, and he's shoveling my back patio. So uh, when they talk about Minnesota nice, uh, I live that on a daily basis with my neighbors. I, I, so many things I love about it. He's got the smile on his face the whole time. I like that Kirk refers to, uh, refers to it as his walk. Now, that could be the sidewalk in front of his house. It could be the path up to his house, his walk. It's so Midwestern. Kirk is from the Chicago suburbs. He's from Barrington, Illinois, which is kind of the western suburbs of Chicago. I love that Kirk Cousins has a home in a neighborhood where it's not some mansion on a hill that's 12 bedrooms with three infinity pools. He just lives in like a probably a nice upper middle class neighborhood. In fact, I I've seen Kirk Cousins house before in pictures. It's nothing crazy. Can we just call time out here just to remember like 
Kirk Cousins, for all you want to make jokes about him, and I do it all the time, and I love him. Do you know how much money Kirk Cousins has? He is so, so wealthy. I think he's making $40 million this year. $40 million, whatever the number is. It's out of control. He's, he's had a bunch of seasons like that. He has so much money, and he just kind of comes off like, I don't know, a guy who works at Petco. That's it. Kick my feet up on the counter, and I'll say a chinchilla or a betta fish. Like, I got no worries in the world. And I also love this neighbor because I know that some of the background of this is the neighbor is shoveling Kirk's walk because, like, they want to make sure that Kirk, like, doesn't throw his back out or tire himself out. Because, believe you me, Kirk Cousins would shovel his own walk. Why pay a, a service or a neighborhood kid $20 to do it? That's wasting $20. Makes $40 million a year. He would shovel it himself. And then the neighbor was so great, and they went back and shoveled the, shoveled the deck. The deck. Like, you, you don't even need to shovel the deck because you're not going out there in the winter in the snow. Not in Minnesota. You just leave it alone for six months, and you say, see you in the spring, and I'll grill some, some dad burgers and some mom burgers for you, Kirk. But they went back and shoveled the, the deck as well. I got to tell you, I, I came out hot loving the Baker bite about Lamar's mom. And then the Lamar bite was kind of just reactionary. I, Kirk Cousins wins bite fight. I love that. And Kirk Cousins' neighbor, what do you want to bet? Let's just throw a bet out there. What do you think Kirk Cousins' neighbor's name is? This is, this is, this is really the winner. Okay. Kirk Cousins has got a neighbor who lives in Minnesota, is a big Vikings fan, is out there shoveling. This is probably someone who's maybe a little bit older. They're probably doing pretty well for themselves because they live next to Kirk Cousins who makes $40 million bucks a year. I, the name that keeps coming back to me, I, I just feel like Kirk Cousins' neighbor's name is Gene. G-E-N-E, Gene. It might be Mitch <laughs> and it might be Terry, but I think his, his, cousin, his neighbor's name is Gene. I know Kirk a little bit. I do. I could text him and say, what's your neighbor's name? But I already texted him for another favor earlier this week because I'm doing a piece on CBS this weekend about Kirk Cousins. You should watch it. It'll be on the NFL today at noon Eastern on Sunday. But that's it. Your headline here is that Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, of all people, they, he beats the two first-round draft picks, two Heisman winners in a case of uh, who has the best soundbite. And he has the best team this year, too, I think. Kirk Cousins wins fight fight. Let's get, though, to something where I can't be aware of all the headlines. Maybe I didn't know that Baker Mayfield was talking to Lamar's mom at the Heisman ceremony, but I need to know the rest of the headlines. I need to be made aware of them. And that is a segment that we call Brant Awareness. Let's go. Michael Flynn, get in here. There it is. He's back in the kid's bedroom. I see a Nintendo controller, a PlayStation controller sticker above the intercom button. Um, Flynn, how are you? What's up? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Excellent. You use the intercom still? I grew up in a house like with an intercom. We had a four bedroom house. For some reason in the 90s, it was a huge deal to have an intercom. I guess it was before you would text each other in the house. Do you guys use that thing? So we actually moved into this house not long ago. We moved into it in January and it had the intercom set up and they don't work. But if you hold on to it, you hear like a little bit of crackling. So I think it's possible. Oh, yeah. So it, it, it's something we're looking into because we got to figure out a way to talk to these kids and find them. Well, it was a thing back in the day, like if your mom was making dinner, she would like go over and press the button and say, kids, you know, the chicken's ready and you'd be in your bedroom. And you'd come down. 
she could have just yelled up the stairs. It's not like the house is cavernous or anything. But for a, a certain point in time, the house was nothing in, in suburbia without an intercom system. So if you're bringing it back, I'm into it. Bring us some headlines. Too. Yeah. I, I want to bring it back. Uh, let's do the headlines. Uh, game we haven't spent a ton of time on this week. The six and three Jets visiting the five and four Patriots. All four AFC East teams would be in the playoffs if they started today. Jets looking for revenge after their week eight loss. Pats looking for their fifth win in six games. Mm-hmm. Kyle, what do you expect in this one? I mean, what I, would, what I expect is probably the Patriots will win. What I hope is that Zach Wilson plays really well and does something and announces himself to the league. Because as much as the Jets are one of the cool stories of this year, there's just such master, massive, massive yeah buts. There's a huge asterisk about them. And that asterisk is we don't even think the quarterback is that good. And it's gone from not knowing if he's good to maybe starting to think he isn't good. And I, I, I've said this a lot. In this era, the quarterbacks, these first-round draft picks, the big talent guys, when they're good, they show it quick. They show it really, really quick. Just think Justin Herbert, think Mahomes, think Lamar. You know, Lamar sat for a little bit of his first season, but the second he got out there, he was like, why has he been sitting? You know, Baker came in even. Baker, who had his struggles eventually in Cleveland, came in immediately making an impact. Josh Allen was doing ridiculous things the second he got out there. When is Zach Wilson going to start doing these things? Because – I'm seeing Justin Fields do some crazy things. I, I need you to start doing it, and I need the Jets to beat the Patriots, or it's just, I don't know, it's just this terrible scar on them because you knew about they had this long AFC East losing streak that they broke, and they beat the Bills, and that's awesome. But they haven't beaten the Patriots in years. They haven't won a regular season game in Foxborough since 2008. What the heck? What? How is it possible? It's 2022. The last time the Jets won a regular season game in Foxborough, Brett Favre was their quarterback. Favre, and he was throwing to Lavernius Coles. And it was just like a whole different era of standard definition, highlights. Like that's, They just lose every year there. So they come out of this game and they lose again, and Zach Wilson doesn't play well. I guess you guys have done fine. You've gotten off the mat, and even if the thing falls apart here, you had some progress this season. But we're talking about going to the playoffs here in the New York Jets. Let's go. You've got a good record. Um, and then the Pats are coming out of the bye. We haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. And are they going to come tearing down the stretch and join in the AFC playoffs? Because they're not in right now, but they'd have to play their way in. A lot of intrigue in this game. If, if my two questions were, is Zach Wilson good at all? And is this Patriots team, does this Patriots team matter? I don't know. But this is actually a really good game plan. I'm glad we talked about it. Zach Wilson, for the love of God, this place would go nuts if you threw a few touchdowns and beat the Patriots. They would, you, they, you'd be Jeter. They, they want a Jets quarterback so bad, so bad. Just let them love you, please, Zach Wilson. That's what we need, Lynn. Yeah, he's in a division where he has to face Bill Belichick twice a year, and Bill mm-hmm. Belichick will expose what you're not good at, and so far it hasn't mm-hmm. worked in Zach's favor. Uh, let's move on. Today was the trailer drop for 80 for Brady. If you haven't heard of that, it's a movie inspired by the true story of four best friends who took a trip to Super Bowl 51 in 2017. The best friends, played by Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field. Brady mm. produces via his production company, also stars in the film. Kyle, are you going to be seeing it on February 3rd? No, no, I'm not going to be seeing it. Um, February 3rd, it doesn't come out, so I was hoping it was going to come out around Thanksgiving or something, because my family, like a lot of other families, we just have a magnetic attraction to the movie theater around Thanksgiving. And what ends up happening is, you know, your family comes in from out of town sometimes, and 
you have the dinner on Thursday and you got nothing to do for three days. And you're just like, ah, let's go to a movie. Let's go see Lincoln with Daniel Day-Lewis. All right, we'll get through that. This would be the perfect Thanksgiving movie, but they're saving it to February, maybe because February is when the Super Bowl is. I do respect this genre of movie. And by this genre, I mean um, about once a year, maybe even every, once, every two years, they will come out a movie starring the elderly for the elderly. And they embrace that they're the elderly. It's not trying to hide it. And I say it respectfully. I'm talking about there's an old movie called Space Cowboys that came out in 2000. It was with Clint Eastwood and Tommy Lee Jones and Donald Sutherland and James, James Garner, where they're like, grandpas are going to space. And this old space program from the 60s is they need their knowledge to go up to space, Space Cowboys. Just like, hey, grandparents. Come and see the 10.30 a.m. matinee of Space Cowboys. There's one called uh, Last Vegas, which I think has Morgan Freeman in it, where it's like, old guys, they're going to go to Vegas and just have one last party trip. There's one called Bucket List, and then there's this. It's these cool old gals they are going to go to the Super Bowl and they're going to get in adventures and they're going to make sex jokes. And I watched the trailer. It's just so funny. I would, I would recommend watching the trailer. If you're a football fan, I watched it. Watch it on your phone. It takes two minutes. There's one part where like Gronk is like super horny for an 84 year old woman. It's funny. Jane Fonda, who I think is 84. Um, I remember Jane Fonda in 84 when I was five and my mom had all her videos and leg warmers and exercise and stuff. But there's this part where Gronk is like holding Jane Fonda and she goes like, Gronk, you're so big. And he's like, thank you. And it's a, a phallic joke, guys, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. And so that's a little bit weird. Inexplicably, Guy Fieri, and I say his name right because I love Guy. Guy Fieri is in it in multiple times, including like in this, this drug part at the end where everyone turns into Guy Fieri. It is a strange, strange trailer. Really strange. And then, but like, I think it'll probably be successful. It looks like it's well-produced. There's a bunch of Academy Award winners starring in it. And then Brady shows up at the end. You know what else is strange? Brady's filmography. If I was to quiz you, the viewer, I'm like, do you think this is real or not? that Brady was in this movie playing this role. I don't know how well you would do, but the fact is, is that we, um, we've seen him mostly as himself. He was in The Simpsons and Family Guy, but that's voiceover stuff. Hosted SNL, not a ton of memorable sketches, a couple that haven't aged well, as is usually the case, because that was way back in 2005. He was an entourage as himself, playing golf with, with Wahlberg and Vinny Chase and all that. The one that I always come back to, do you remember the movie Stuck on You? Stuck on You was about conjoined twins, Greg Kinnear and Matt Damon, and Eva Mendez is in it. And it's just a whole damn movie of physical comedy and sight gags about two brothers who are connected to each other. And in the role of computer geek, number one is Tom Brady. Google Tom Brady stuck on you. And he has these weird chopped sideburns and like, I think a nose ring or something. And I believe computer geek number two, this is good trivia, guys. I'm giving you this. Flynn, get in here. I'm going to ask you. Do you know? You, do you know who Computer Geek Number Two is? Did you look? Do you know who it is? It's, it's an old. It's a, an old patriot. Okay. No, not off the top of my head. All right. Computer Geek Number Two is Lawyer Malloy, the old patriot safety who became a Bills safety, and it was him and uh, and Brady together. And that's the deal: is that like the Farrellys, who either directed that movie or had their hands on it, they're the massive New England sports fans, which is why. Cam Neely plays Seabass and Dumb and Dumber, 
and uh, Roger Clemens plays uh, Skidmark in Kingpin. Do you know any of this stuff? Did you know? Am I the only person who cares? I I, I did not. I haven't seen either of those. No. You haven't seen Kingpin or Dumb and Dumber? Uh, uh, oh, I've seen Dumb and Dumber. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So anyway, uh, Computer Geek number one. He now adds it to himself that he is now playing himself in the uh, what's it called? AD for Brady. Are you going to see this, Flynn, or are like are any people, relatives of yours who are older? It is, it's an old person movie, which I respect. They need those sometimes. It, it is. My father-in-law is a Patriots fan and by association, I guess, still a Brady fan. So I imagine it's for him. Um, but no, it, it's a weird trailer. There's also scenes <laughs> of Brady recreating, like yelling on the sideline that, that oh, I think would be yeah. interesting being on set that day and seeing him yell like that right. uh, also you're right. right way too much guy fietti 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 like and listen i know guy a little bit i I'm, I'm sorry i'm doing a lot of name dropping today but i do know guy and we text sometimes and it's not fieri he always explains it as it's fietti like hey don't forget you have to pay that fee eddie fee eddie and it, the real ones know if you're tight with guy you call him fietti and he's in the movie um what else is in the headline flynn Fair enough. Uh, Quentin Tarantino asked by Howard Stern what his best film was, and he said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is mm. interesting. Since the film was released in 2019, Tarantino infamously has called this current era of movies the worst in Hollywood history. Kyle, your <laughs> thoughts? It's just close to home. I'm a big Tarantino guy. I, 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 the soundbite I'm almost loath to use, but I, I really do think it's appropriate. Is I think Pulp Fiction changed my life. I do. I think that all my interest in movies and all this stuff and just the real pop culture, like I think it happened in Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction came out when I was 15 and 94 and I'm not making this up. I saw it in the theater seven times. All I wanted to do with any of my pocket money or any of my free time was just go see Pulp Fiction again and again and again. And I wanted to keep seeing it because I wanted to pick up things that I missed and I wanted to memorize the dialogue and I would sit there and there's no phones or anything like that. And like, one time I went and actually brought like a little pad and a pen and I was writing down the things that Sam Jackson was saying or that Christopher Walken or Bruce Willis was saying. I was just so obsessed with it. So uh, it's not surprising to me that Quentin would say that one of his later movies is his best movie just because you don't want to say, well, yeah, you know, my best movie was Kill Bill Part One it was years ago. You want to say some movie you did 10, 15 or in Pulp Fiction's case, like almost 30 years ago is your best movie. You want to say something recent. I keep getting better. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is good. Is it his best movie? I, it's not my favorite movie of his. Um, I know for a lot of the younger generation, uh, for a lot of the like the Gen Z type people in their 20s, Django is really, really big. I've talked to people different people that they love Django Unchained. And it's, and it's a really cool movie. But once Upon a Time, it, awesome, awesome DiCaprio performance, great pit performance. You just have these two like megawatt massive superstars just being really cool. And in DiCaprio's case, actually being not that cool, which, which makes him cool. I like the movie. The final act is crazy with the violence and everything. And I love the California nostalgia. I will always, though, be a Pulp Fiction guy just because it was a nuclear strike on the entire really entire world about like everything changed then every movie every show every everything there's never been anything like it at all it's a little slow if you watch it back now and there's some annoying parts bruce willis's girlfriend fabiana is, is that's not the strongest part of the movie but i'm still a pulp fiction guy flynn where do you come out you know this stuff 
Yeah, I'm a Pulp Fiction guy, too. I'm also a big Reservoir Dogs guy. I think as mm. good as Once, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Django and Inglorious Bastards are, I think when oh, you're bad. growing up, when you're growing up with those movies, it's hard to replace them. Like, there's no, like, I watch Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, like, as they were, like, the first, like, big, like, I know dr- dramatic, like, adult type of movies that I ever watched, and they, like, introduced me to how well movies can be made, and it just can't be top now with new movies. Yeah, they do get really part of you and you can't beat it. I hadn't thought about Bastards. That's in the conversation for sure. It's really well done. And I don't know if there's a better performance in all of the Tarantino movies than Christoph Waltz in that movie. It's just even just the opening scene with sitting down and smoking the pipe is that good. Uh, Last thing I hit you with Flynn and then we're done for the week. You know, I was listening to Sam Jackson talk about something he did on Django and he's been in so many of those movies. Why is it do we think that they did Pulp Fiction and then Quentin's worked with Sam Jackson like a bunch of times since then, like in almost everything it feels like he's in. Why is he not work with Travolta again? Why, why would he work so much with Sam Jackson, who's great, take nothing away from him. Why have they never gotten back together and there's not a role in Django or Once Upon a Time or anything? Why has Travolta never gone back with, with Tarantino? Like he carried that movie in so many ways. I have to assume that whether it's Scientology stuff or something else behind the scene, I don't know if there's anything public, you would know that better than me, where where something must have happened where it does, it's, it's not happening again. Uh, Sam Jackson just works for every director and every franchise and is in every movie. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one. And he is, his movies have made $20 trillion. I, I, I looked it up once and, Travolta said something about my friend Quentin and, you know, I'd love to work together again. We just can't force it. I'm like, force it? Like, John, it was 94. It's, it's 20. Let's get the band back together. Um, I don't know why, but I wish they would. And I'm still a Pulp Fiction guy. Flynn, uh, thank you very much for your contributions. Thank you for all the work this week. Great work by you. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, enjoy Jets Patriots. And we will see you Sunday night in the basement, I believe. Yep. See you then. Appreciate you, Flynn. Until then, it's dark time. It is uh, topic roulette, rent roulette, whatever we call it. Now, let's go to the Skycam because I'm going to go over here to the dartboard, and you know we end the show this way. I'm going to take a dart. I'm going to throw it. It's going to hit a number, and whatever that number is, there's a corresponding topic that I've not seen, certainly not prepared for, and I will try to wax about that topic. So here we go. I've hit 14 two days in a row. I'm going to try to hit 14 here, which means I'll probably hit six. 14, where is it? It's in the kind of 10 o'clock region. Here we go. I missed it. I was sort of close. But guys, I went to 16. Topic number 16 on the list. What do we have? Biggest fear. All right, I got gotcha. you. Now, I'm not going to weigh you down with all kinds of weird things that are, this is going to happen to me or this is going to happen to my family or anything like that. I'm just going to give you like you know, some people are afraid of uh, heights or sharks or anything. I have a thing. Um, when I was a little kid, I lived in the western suburbs of Chicago, kind of similar to where I mentioned earlier in the show that pretty close to where Kirk Cousins grew up. And uh, it's an old house in an old neighborhood, old trees, tall trees, a lot of bushes and everything. So with that comes a lot of animals, and I mean suburban animals, you know, the squirrels and hawks and owls and um, possum, things like that. 
Well, at some point, I was about five or six years old, and uh, there was nesting in the chimney of our house. We had a, a fireplace in our living room, the house we were living in. It was a town called Indian Head Park. And um, there was a chimney that went up, you know, right in the living room off the carpet and off the console TV we had. And there was a, uh, a raccoon that was living in the chimney. And it was a big sucker burly as hell i mean this thing must have weighed 40 pounds easily and occasionally we would see it out on the like kind of uh crawling up the chimney and the roof and and then it would go in the chimney and uh i was so afraid of it and i thought the con conceptually it was really scary uh the nocturnal animal that it only comes out at night and it's like a vampire. And when you're five, six-year-old, that concept is very scary to you because when you go to sleep, the raccoon's going to wake up. And I was always terrified that it was going to come down the chimney into our house. Now, this didn't go on for weeks or anything like that, but I think my mom tried to like set a trap or something. And then eventually she called the pest control. And I don't know if they still do this, but back in the 80s, the way that they would get it to come out of the chimney is they would put some sort of like a, I think it was ammonia capsules or something up the chimney from the fireplace. And then they would start breathing it and have to get out. I mean, it sounds like hell. But I just remember I was like in the room watching, which probably my mom shouldn't have let me do. And that in the middle of the day, they put this ammonia up the chimney and the raccoons started making this terrible, terrible noise. It's like grunting and moaning. And then it crawls out. And then they captured, who the hell knows, and shot it or something like that. I, don't, I didn't see that part of it. Shot it and made a cap out of it. But I just, the idea that that, that, crowd, that uh, raccoon was going to come into our house and then the sounds that it made. To this day, I'm not joking. If I see a raccoon, like in our yard, which occasionally I will, I get freaked out. I, uh, my mouth gets really dry. I get goosebumps, like in a, like a fight or flight type way. I don't even like seeing them in movies. There's a lot of movie scenes that have raccoons. In Elf, which we'll start watching soon because it's almost Christmas time, you know, he walks in the North Pole and runs into that rabid raccoon. I don't like that scene. I, it freaks me out. In uh, Incredibles 2, animated cart, uh, raccoon. Don't even care. Freaks me out. There's a raccoon in Pocahontas that I don't like. It could be a, a stuffed raccoon, cartoon one. I'm very afraid of raccoons. It goes back to that terrible ammonia up the chimney story. That was a positive story to end the week on, wasn't it? Sorry, raccoon lovers, if you're out there. I hear you, but it's just not for me. That's the week in the basement. We'll be back Sunday night with a full NFL recap. Uh, if you want to watch me Sunday at noon on NFL, uh, the NFL Today on CBS, do a whole thing about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. It's going to be pretty funny, I hope. Hope, hope. But until then, thank you. Love you. I'm running out of breath. The cardio is going. See you Sunday night. Take care, guys.